hounds upon her track. But I have seen more than that, said he, for Hugo Baskerville passed me upon his black mare, and there ran mute behind him such a hound of hell as God forbid should ever be at my heels. So the drunken squires rode onwards, but soon there came a sound of galloping across the moor, and the black mare dabbled with white froth when passed with trailing bridle and empty saddle. Then the revellers rode close together, for a great fear was on them. They came at last upon the hounds. These, though known for their valour, were whimpering in a cluster at the head of a deep dip or goyle, as we call it upon the moor, some slinking away and some, with starting hackles and staring eyes, gazing down the narrow valley before them. The company had come to a halt. Three of them rode forward down the goyle. Now it opened into a broad space. The moon was shining bright, and there in the centre lay the unhappy maid where she had fallen, dead. But it was not the sight of her body, nor yet was it the body of Hugo Baskerville lying near her which raised the hair upon the heads of these three roisterers, but it was that standing over Hugo and plucking at his throat. There stood a foul thing, a great, black beast, shaped like a hound, yet larger than any hound that ever mortal eye has ever rested upon. And even as they looked, the thing tore the throat out of Hugo Baskerville, on which, as it turned its blazing eyes and dripping jaws upon them, the three shrieked with fear and rode for dear life. Such is the tale, my sons, of the coming of the hound, which is said to have plagued the family so sorely ever since. Nor can it be denied that many of the family have been unhappy in their deaths, which have been sudden, bloody, and mysterious. Yet may we shelter ourselves in the infinite goodness of providence, which would not for ever punish the innocent beyond the third or fourth generation which is threatened in holy writ. To that providence, my sons, I hereby commend you, and I counsel you by way of caution to forbear from crossing the moor in those dark hours when the powers of evil are exalted. This from Hugo Baskerville to his sons Roger and John. Baskerville Hall, 1742. When Dr. Mortimer had finished reading this singular narrative, he pushed his spectacles up on his forehead and stared across at Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Do you find it interesting? To a collector of fairy tales, replied Holmes. Dr. Mortimer drew a folded newspaper out of his pocket. Now, Mr. Holmes, we will give you something a little more recent. This is the Devon County Chronicle of June the 14th of this year. It is a short account of the facts concerning the death of Sir Charles Baskerville, which occurred a few days before that date. The recent sudden death of Sir Charles Baskerville has cast a gloom over the county. Though Sir Charles had resided at Baskerville Hall for a comparatively short period, his amiability of character and extreme generosity has won the affection and respect of all who have been brought into contact with him. In these days of nouveau riche, it is refreshing to find a case where the scion of an old county family, which has fallen upon evil days, is able to make his own fortune and to bring it back with him to restore the fallen grandeur of his line. Sir Charles, as is well known, made large sums of money in South African speculation. 
It is only two years since he took up his residence at Baskerville Hall, and it is common talk how large were those schemes of reconstruction and improvement which have been interrupted by his death. The circumstances connected with the death of Sir Charles cannot be said to have been entirely cleared up by the inquest, but at least enough has been done to dispose of those rumours to which local superstition has given rise. There is no reason whatever to suspect foul play, or to imagine that death could have been from anything but natural causes. Sir Charles was a widower and childless. In spite of his considerable wealth, he was simple in his personal tastes, and his indoor servants at Baskerville Hall consisted of a married couple named Barrymore. Their evidence, corroborated by that of several friends, tends to show that Sir Charles's health had for some time been impaired, and points especially to some affection of the heart. Dr. James Mortimer, the friend and medical attendant of the deceased, has given evidence to the same effect. The facts of the case are simple.